Hello everybody, you're listening to Biology with Hash. I know it's been a long time since the first and this episode and you guys will all be like, okay, she promised that next week she'll be giving us the episode and it's been like a month. I'm so sorry guys, I'm such a procrastinator and over that, I think there are like so much things going on all around. So that's not like a good excuse, but just take my excuse and do listen to my other episodes which will come and they are going to be really interesting. So yes, I have decided that I'm not going to put a date on this. I am going to make a podcast whenever I feel like and I hope you guys do understand and listen to me. So today I'll be talking about something really interesting. There are two topics actually I'm going to talk about and these two topics were given by people uh, by really close to me who are really close to me. So one is Abnuta Sandeep and she gave me the topic which I really think is super cool and I think you guys will also like it. It is about photosynthetic stairs and you'll be like what? Like I was like photosynthesis dude that's like the food making process in plants i i did how i don't know how does it happen and like animal and that to a snail so yeah i was like taken aback and i was like okay you know what maybe she's just like there's something wrong or something but no i actually googled this and boy there really is a photosynthetic snail and there is this whole process, it does not only occur in snails, it occurs in so many animals we have no clue about. So yes, today I'm going to talk just about that and give you a little more cool information about what really we think is not what really is in this beautiful world we live in. So photosynthetic snail is also called Alicia chloratica. Now Alicia chloratica is not the only one, like I told you. There are many others like Alicia chloratica. So the threads of Alicia chloratica are many dinoflagellates, ciliates, unibrachs, sarcoglassum sea slugs. And okay, I just, I don't know, I pronounced them so weird, like okay. But all of these animals. And so how does this occur? Like chlorophyll is a plastid which is supposed to be only seen in plants. And maybe if you guys uh, have done bachelors or if you, are, if you were a real nerd in 11th, 12th, then you know that algae, blue-green algae as well as normal, normal algae also have these chlorophyll pigments. But And maybe euglena does photosynthesis, but we really don't think it has that capability to call it that. But a fully fleshed animal with chlorophyll like wow so that's when i read about this process called kleptoplasty now klepto in greek means telic and plasty means plastid chlorophyll is, is a plastid so what happens is when these holozoic organisms by holozoic it means that holo and zoic zoic as an animal and holo is that they are taking food and their basic nutrition from others. So these plants, these, you know, animals consume plants or any, or any algae or phytoplankton which have chlorophyll in them. And as they consume these, there are some part of chlorophyll, part of chlorophyll which gets remained inside of them. And these chlorophyll start photosynthesizing inside the animal. And that, thus, there is energy pro- provided at the same time inside the organism. So now the organism has become self-sufficient. It has become holophytic. That is, 
they are self-sufficient. They can make their own food. They do not need to depend on anybody else. So, like, that's like the most coolest thing ever, right? Suddenly, uh, from trying to find plants everywhere f- for nourishment and for food, you are now starting to collect those pigments inside of you, the plastic inside of you, and make your own food. Like, I think that's like the coolest thing I've ever heard. And so, I was very, very taken, like, back when I read about this and kleptoplasty cannot not only be seen in this slug but as I told you in dinoflagellate and various other other ciliates all around the animalia and when researchers who used to keep on finding these plastids inside various organisms they used to wonder what the exact reason for it and how do some of them survive without long duration of not having food or taking nutrition this was their mode of mechanism this kleptoplasty, there are there are many, many researches going on and I hope it, the researches keep going on that there can be a way where humans and if there can be, you know, kleptoplasty in humans, but I think that's like a long go or, you know, we, if we evolutionize enough to become that or if we need to. But yeah, that's like the very cool thing. The second topic today I got was from Lavanya. And so before I start on this topic, I have to talk to you about how a cell works. So first thing is, why do we need oxygen? So before oxygen, what is the thing which we all run on? So this entire universe runs on a single thing called energy. So this energy is what keeps us running. Now, how does this energy get produced? Is that there are different forms of energy which different beings require. Like you, like plants are okay with converting radiant energy to whatever chemical energy they want to utilize into. But as human beings, we cannot do that. We are insufficient that if we take radiant energy, it does not automatically convert into chemical energy and give us that feeling of energy moving around that. So we have a whole lot of mechanisms, especially not human beings, but animals in general, the whole kingdom animalia requires that energy to be converted and given in a form which can be utilized by us. So that form is something which is done by mitochondria. Now mitochondria, there is a whole big story about mitochondria. So let's give like a short tip to mitochondria. I know I'm deviating from this topic, but I love mitochondria. So yeah. So when you think about mitochondria, you think about powerhouse of the cell. But when you look at mitochondria and study about it, like I did, like last two semesters I have, mitochondria is self-sufficient. It has its own DNA, it has its own membranes, and it's pretty cool on its own. It needs that work, that activation, that form of living only because it's inside the cell. So I went back and read a few theories and there are a few theories which says that mitochondria once upon a time, billions of years ago, millions of years ago, used to be independent of the animal cell. There might have been a symbiosis between both. Now symbiosis is more of your give and take mechanism. You give something, you get something. So same way, maybe there would have been that symbiosis between an animal cell and a mitochondrial cell. It was so good that the symbiosis that that after ages, after millions of different selections, artificial selections, natural selection, blah, 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 all the evolutionary mechanisms, just put them 
okay and after all of this now the mitochondria is inside a living cell that is inside animal and it has become endosymbiotic it has lost its recognition as a different cell in itself and it's pretty happy inside this living cell so this mitochondria is basically the powerhouse of the cell why powerhouse it beats it gives something called atp synthesis now atp is adenosine triphosphate and this phosphate group this phosphate group is what keeps us gives us this energy and if it is in the free form when atp converts into adp the adp then only you can have that energy which is required for me to speak or you to listen or for us to do the daily job now for atp synthesis inside mitochondria you need oxygen oxygen is what triggers and the whole mechanism occurs and it's very important for this atp so so yes this mitochondria and the whole mechanism requires oxygen right so now imagine i tell you there is an animal which does not require oxygen you first would be like wait what are you talking about like how does that work like oxygen is what defines living beings i think till that started i also told that like hey, oxygen is like really important but after that i'm like okay there are a lot of anaerobic bacteria out there so you can you know fight with me over that but a fully fledged animal which does not require oxygen is like okay what so yes there exists animals and these are not just like your lower grade animals these are proper ciliates so in animalia when we divide you have you have kingdom protista which we also consider in animalia then you have a uh, porifera with all the sponges and then you have ciliates which have your corals uh, which have your jellyfishes so imagine i tell you there is this parasitic jellyfish which does not require oxygen to survive and it is was like it was like mind blowing for people to realize this because they found it inside a fish which we all commonly eat it's called salmon and they found it inside salmon and this was not harming the salmon fish this organism called helicuva salmonicola okay what am i speaking okay yeah that's what it is the animal's name you can obviously google yeah so all these anim- this animal is basically inside salmon now does it does not feed on its nutrition it does not really care about much of this organism this animal does not have mitochondria and how did scientists first discover this organism is something really cool so what they did was they saw that this a- animal is not at all being affected by harmful toxins and they were like why is that because when there are presence of har- harmful toxins there is very very low quantity of oxygen or no quantity of oxygen and oxygen is like the basic limit for everybody to survive so they looked at okay what is happening right there so when they looked into it using fluorescent microscopy they realized that this animal was missing mitochondria and mitochondria is extremely important for your atp synthesis thus for all of this to occur if there is no atp synthesis if there is no mitochondria what is the exact need of oxygen obviously there is no need of oxygen thus this animal does not need oxygen to live but but there are traces of atp found in this animal 
And so the scientists now are looking at how these small animals, which are insects, albert, uh, have taken their ATP. How, which mechanism are they inculcating into taking, withdrawing ATP from the host itself? There can be that they have start directly started using transcription translation in such a method, effective method. There are multiple researches going on, and this is like the latest thing which I could find. I find this extremely interesting because, first of all, I'm like this mitochondria enthusiast and. I always believe in the evolution of mitochondria and all that. But now when you find an organism without mitochondria, it half proves that mitochondria was free living, free living at some point in life because now there are traces of animal without mitochondria. So this kind of proves the endosymbiotic theory of mitochondria. There are very, very more researches which can be done. Both of these articles which I've talked about are taken from Science Direct and Wikipedia. You can definitely go, you can definitely ask me for the link. I'll also drop it in the description. Uh, this, these both are some, these both researches which I talked about today are something very, very exciting and something, you know, which blows your mind. Like, can you believe like a photosynthetic snail and then there is an organism which lives without oxygen and it's an animal? Like for me as a biologist, the necessities to classify something as living has now entirely changed. The necessity to call something holophytic, holozoic, something which can be self-nutrition, something which needs nutrition is now changing. At least I love change because change is what defines your science. And these are something which shows that how beautiful our world is. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to me. I think this podcast was a little longer than the last time because this podcast, I tried to fit in two things. I am going to talk about all the feedbacks I have got. And one of the feedback was that maybe I should get a podcast mic. And uh, guys, I'm really poor. So I I don't think I can afford a podcast mic for, let's say, at least a season. But after that, let's see if this show goes well. Then surely I will try my best to. So till then, please be okay with listening to me a little far, a little low, a little high. <laughs> The second uh, feedback that I got was I should start, you know, editing my voice note. But I will tell you guys that I do not want this podcast to be perfect. I don't want perfection. I want some enthusiasm to be shown. And I'm this impromptu person. I like, you know, making a voice note and staying, saying stuff for like 14 and 15 minutes rather than recording and making it like the perfect tone, perfect thing. So, yeah. I know I'm just saying this because I'm going to procrastinate and that's like a lot of work to do that. Uh, that's not the only reason, but this reason do counts and I hope you guys understand. But yes, if you guys keep stressing me upon doing that, then I think I will start doing this from the following podcast. But I hope you like this impromptu way. Third was I'm supposed to write a script. I did you know, did my homework this time and I have written like a, like not even a script, just a small pointers which tells me what I'm supposed to talk about. I think it worked. So yes, thank you. And other feedbacks which I've got, all the positive feedbacks which I've asked people and which I got as a message. So thank you everybody for all your feedbacks. If you have anything to t- share about this, then please do message me. 
you can always mail to me my mail is just hash j u s t h a s h 03 at the rate of gmail.com uh, i uh, or i'm available in instagram it's at hash underscore ricky that's at h a s h underscore r i c k y uh, so yes guys i think that's it for today i've bored you enough i hope so till next time let's listen to something really cool about biology and everything till then see you guys and take care do do write your feedbacks do tell me about it do listen to next episode of biology with hash signing off hashtag